0: Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. Y'all be nice and I'll get out almost on time. Sort of, kind of, like, maybe, uh, you know, sort of, like... Well, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all are eating out today? I see most of y'all going home anyway, so you don't have to beat the Methodists. So that's Cool. Yeah, we're, we're in good shape already. Hey, first off, I'm, I'm Dwayne Taylor. I am Dwayne know if I said that before earlier. I'm the lead pastor, the senior pastor here. And uh, my privilege is to break the word of life today, the word of God. And we're so glad that you're visiting with us. We know this is a time when a lot of the kids and grandkids come with moms and we send some away also. And we're just really glad you came. And we're in the midst of a study on James and James. And James, what's really cool about him was he was the half brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. His big brother was Jesus. And he got to grow up and watch Jesus like grow. What an incredible thing. And and even so, you know, you gotta remember how hard it would be to admit your your brother is the Son of God. Be hard. And so James didn't become a follower of Christ until after the resurrection. And it's really hard to deny. I already remember this when, 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 people say, well, why do you believe in God? Or why do you this? Why do you believe in Jesus? Just tell them this. It's hard not to believe in someone who got up from the dead all by themselves. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm going, you know, I may not understand all about the Bible. I'm not understand all about God, but I'm going with a guy who got up after he was dead. I, that's just, I'm just, I'm going with Jesus because anybody can do that. I'm on board with him. So, so James was the half brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes some incredible truths. And today we want to talk about Wisdom. want we'll to talk about wisdom, and I really want to bring it home about how it applies to our lives and all of us, because, you know, you moms, you already got, you're like endowed with God or from God with wisdom. I know that. But for the rest of us people, we really need to learn wisdom and how it applies to our lives. You know, often you, you seek out wise people, okay? And so what I did was I got on the internet and I said, okay, I'm looking for three really, really wise people. And the first thing I came up with was was Benjamin Franklin. Okay? Now Benjamin Franklin has like a zillion quotes that he's made. Now he's kind of quirky in some areas, but he has some great quotes. So Ronnie threw up there, old Ben. Ben said, Teach me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Tell me I'm sorry and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. Isn't that good? You know, practical, hands-on stuff. You put me in the midst of the situation, it's there that I learn. Now, the other really, really, really wise person um, that I wanted to turn to today, some of you will recognize and some of you won't. Well, actually, you may say, well, that looks like my brother. Uh, throw Mr. Yoda up there. You got Yoda there, Ronnie? Over There we go. There we go. Now, you know, I, I don't think I read Yoda's quote there. Can somebody read it for me? Do or do not. There is no try. Isn't that wise? Does that look like your brother? I know you're saying he really does. I mean, in fact, you know I kind of have the ear thing going on. So me and Yoda like like we share. You know. And then you know one person, and really and this is serious, is an incredible human being um, was Mother Teresa. I really was. And and again, if you look on the internet, some of the things that she said are just incredible. Throw up, uh, Mama T on there. Um, a sacrifice to be real must cost. I must hurt, must empty ourselves. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of this faith is love. The fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace. An incredible lady who gave her life uh, in Calcutta, serving those incredibly poor people there. Really incredible. And then I say, your mom. Come on. Your mom was an incredibly wise person. You know, she's the one that when you were five years old and you had the big glass of red Kool-Aid and you're walking on her white new carpet. And she goes, and you look at her like, I wonder what it would look like, what art would I create if I spilt this? And she looks at you and goes, don't do it. Wasn't that wise? You know, if you want to grow up, you don't spill red Kool-Aid intentionally on your mom's carpet. So, that, so she was incredibly wise. But obviously, the ultimate wise person was Jesus Christ jesus christ he was just incredibly wise but and what's really cool is is when he's 12 years old he goes to the temple this recorded Luke. he goes to the temple when he's 12 years old and and you know the bible says he sat down with the like the big dog teachers and they were amazed at his knowledge amazed at his wisdom amazed at his teaching at 12 years old of course he was god from the get-go okay you know But, but they were just blown away but you know what's really cool when you know when they they accidentally like leave leave jesus you know at the temple i don't know how you leave your kid at church i did it one time but that's me but you know they left jesus and, and they go back and they find him and after that story it says this and jesus grew in wisdom how about that the son of god human form even grew in wisdom here as he felt wisdom out so it's really really cool so so let me ask you a question so if you wanted to be wise you know where do you start If you want to be wise, where do you turn? Okay, and Proverbs chapter one. And by the way, this is on your sermon sheet. We have those in the bulletin. If you want to use those, we'll throw the scriptures up on the screen today. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And you could interchange that word there without violating scripture in any way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, now I know, I know that's counter cultural, isn't it? You know, we, we don't we don't. We don't turn to God. We don't fear God in America hardly anymore. It's like an outgoing thing in America these days. Okay? But, but here's the deal. You've got to look around, and whatever it was or is that we're doing isn't working very well. Can I have an amen? I mean, you know, back, back a long time ago, we had the Judeo-Christian value thing going on. That was cool. You know, people, it was a thing to do. And then, and then we started a thing called practical atheism. And it's where you, you say you believe in God, but you live like there is no God. And now it's gone so far that so much of American culture is just flat denying the existence of God. And, and the Bible says in Psalm 14, 1, it, it says that the fool says in his heart that there's, there's no God. The fool says in his heart, actually the Hebrew says this, the fool says in his heart, no God. No, God. And surely, you know, that that says no, God, as far as existence of God. But it's also a very foolish thing when we say, I don't think so, God. What else you got? I, I don't like that one, God. What else you got? So so, th- you know, Proverbs goes on, and says this fools despise wisdom, fools despise wisdom. And it's a foolish thing to deny the existence of God. And frankly, it's a foolish thing for we who believe in God to go. I don't think so. You know, I, I wanna do my thing. I, I I want my ticket punched so I can go to heaven, but I really don't want to do, you know, the obedience factor. You know, so so no God, I don't think so. So here's what I'm saying to you off the start. You know, if you're here today and you're not a God God follower, you're not a Christian, you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, can I ask you to do what I just said? Look around. Look around and see what's going on in the world. And and the world is literally just falling apart. And morally, and so many different ways, it's fallen apart. It may deserve a second look today. It may, and I didn't say religion, I didn't say church, I said God and Jesus Christ. It may pay you to really take a hard look and say, you know, wh- what is it that's going on in the world today? Maybe we need to do something different. You remember the definition of Asante is? Doing the same thing, expecting different results? And so, since America's choosing to kind of walk away from God, maybe you're here today and you go, you know what, since that's not working, why don't we go back to what did work, and that's a a reverential fear of God. That's what the word means, fear, a reverential fear of God. And if you're here as a Christ follower, can I encourage you to listen to the scriptures today and see what God's got to say about wisdom, about how we do life as followers of Jesus Christ. So James had a whole chunk. In James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. James uh, writes, writes this epistle, this, this letter to, to Jews that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. So it's written to believers. He's got a big chunk to say about wisdom that really bears us hearing it today. Here's what he says. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now, let let me kind of unpack that for you. He begins by going, you know, he'd look at a crowd like this and he'd go, so who's wise? Who's wise? It's really cool. And the Greek, that word carries like two major connotations, two two major uh, definitions. It first says this. The word wise there means, means who of you have common sense? It's a practical application. Who of you have common sense? Now, he's not talking about the ability to use a screwdriver. You know, you know some people really have difficulty doing the most practical things of life. He's speaking spiritually practical. Who, who among you know how to do the practical things that God calls us to do? The things that, duh, you know, duh, you know, you don't play with matches, Okay, And, and you know, when you walk in disobedience, that's a dangerous thing to do. Proverbs says that can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? And the answer is no. So there's a practical thing there. There's also a moral thing there. there there's a moral compass thing there. He says the wise man has a good moral compass... Okay? He looks at life and goes, this is good for me morally, this is good for me morally, this is bad for me morally, and chooses to do the right things there. And then there's also that, that part about practical, spiritual things. What can I do that's practical that will help me follow God? He says, is there someone like that in your group? Okay? Then he says, an understanding among you. The word understanding there means a right perspective, a different perspective. The, the person with understanding has the ability to look. And see something other than the surface. It's the ability to wear polar sunglasses when you're fishing and see the fish under the water. It's like having a fish finder. Okay? So you look and see, not the surface, but the ability to look underneath that. He says, is there anybody like that? Is there anyone wise? Is there anyone with understanding among you? He says, if there is, let him show it by his good life. Let him demonstrate it. By his good life. In other words, if you are wise in that way, if you're understanding that way, it will be demonstrated by a very good life. It's a good life to be wise. Amen. It's a good life to have understanding. Life is sweeter when there's wisdom. That kind of wisdom there. Life is sweeter when there's understanding. It's just a natural thing. Demonstrate that. Now, you might say, okay, how do I know if I've got that? How do I know? I wrestle sometimes. How do I know if I've got that, if I have a good moral compass or not? How do I know if if I've got a practical spirituality about me? Um, How how do I know I've got a perspective that penetrates beneath the surface and sees really what's going on? Are you ready? Check your rearview mirror. Check your rearview mirror. If you you look in your journey of life, okay, and you look in your rearview mirror... And back there you see carnage. You see a history of very bad decisions. If you see brokenness and hurt and pain. If you see you know, uh, you know, uh, broken relationships and all those different things. It's a warning sign that you're not practicing the wisdom and understanding that you should. So look in your rear view mirror. If you want to know, do I have that? Look in your rear view mirror and see and be honest. Be honest at what you see when you look in that mirror. So he says, let him show it by his his good life, by his good deeds, deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Let me read that real slow for you. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. James is saying that if we're going to be wise like we need to be wise, it involves something. It involves humility. Now, now, that again, that's countercultural. Because we, we don't want to be humble. I mean, it's really hard to see pride in the, in the mirror. Okay? But, but James is saying a truly wise man understands humility. How does that play out? How do you think that plays out? A person without humility goes this. I know it all. You can't teach me anything. You look at your wife and go... Smarter than you are, yeah. And why do you look your husband and go, "Duh, you're a man"? Okay, so so it plays out. Normal wisdom, earthly wisdom plays out and says, "You can't teach me anything." But a truly wise man says this. A truly wise woman says this. Wait a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa! Maybe I don't know it all. Just, just maybe, just perhaps, there are some things you can teach me. There are some things. I can learn. And the cool part is, is that when we have wisdom that recognizes the need for humility, that humility gives us greater wisdom. Do you know why? When you start asking questions and you start saying, wait a minute, maybe I don't know it all, you learn. And as you learn, you get wiser. You see that in that cool circle? Wisdom needs humility because then you're open to learning. And as you learn more, you have more wisdom. I have a formula that I came up with that will help you remember this because it's very important. W plus H equals W squared. Wisdom plus humility equals more wisdom. Write that down. I'm telling you to help you. Because there's so many people. Preachers are famous for it. People in authority are famous for it. People in position of power are famous for it. We're afraid to admit that maybe we need to learn. And may I say this? If you reach the point where you don't think you need to learn anymore, you stop growing. You stop growing. So so James is telling us that God wants to have this wisdom, and the kind of wisdom he's talking about has a good moral compass. It has a practical side of spirituality. It has a perspective to see beneath the level and understands the need for humility. Wisdom plus humility equals more wisdom. And then he pauses. And he gives us like this contrast. Look what he says. He says, but... Whoa, he says, time out. He says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. So, so what is this bitter envy? Again, it's really cool. You know, the commentary pointed out is two things. It's, it's, a, it's a misguided zeal... That leads to contention. It, it, it's, a, it's a my way or the highway or I'm going. You know, you husbands. oh gosh. You know, your wife is your better part so often. You know, two heads really are better than one. And so the husband says, I don't care if we can afford this car. We're going to buy it. And six months later you're going, honey, why did we buy that car? You know, it's when it's when you're making that huge decision at the water cooler, flirt or not to flirt, cheat or not to cheat. And somebody walks up and says, don't do it. I'm a man and I'll do what I want to do. I'm a woman. I'm a woman and I'll do what I want to do. You know, do you get it? He said, if you've got that, that my way or the highway, that zeal, that misguided zeal, that passion that says, I don't care what, well, I'm going for it. That leads to contention, to strife. He said, if you harbor that in your heart, and he goes one step further and says this, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. that's that's a Even if it's unethical, I'm going to do what I want to do. I want this accomplished, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Oh gosh, in business that's terrible. In church, sometimes that's business. It's just terrible. It's terrible. Pastors, if there were more of us, I'd say, pastors, we've got to learn this. We, you know, just because we have a goal in mind, it's not that we should do it at any cost and certainly not be ethical. You know, it's when the pulpit committee calls you, and you've been waiting on it. You know, you're ready to move on. You're ready to step up that ladder. And they say, what are you running in worship? Now, you know you run about 340. But somehow the words around 400 comes out of your mouth. You know, ministerially speaking, about 400. Who who, who shared the the, Judy, was it you? Yeah, you know, know, pastors count attendance. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Now, there's a reason. There's a reason. Brent, you're one, right? And who lives in you? The Holy Spirit, too. That's how pastors do it. And see, and see, that's wrong. And James says, if you've got this misguided zeal, this passion, this my way or the highway, if you've got this, no matter what it takes, even if it's unethical to do, get the job done, he says, man, don't boast about that. That is nothing to boast about. And, and then he says, don't deny the truth, which means don't deny it's a problem in your life. I mean, it's so easy for us, when this stuff is going on, to deny it's even there. We can't see it in the mirror. Okay. I'm doing a dangerous thing. It involves nobody's name but mine. I need to tell you. Y'all remember about five years ago, I lost all that weight, blah, blah, blah. Well, I never put it all back on. Okay? But you've noticed, come on, you've seen the chin getting a little heavier there. The famous, this is the, by the way, this is the Taylor chin. My brothers have it, and I have it. And strange enough, it occurs as you get a little heavy. And the more heavy you get, the more it sags. So, last Saturday, I looked in the mirror, and I saw it. The sagging Taylor chin. And baby, it wasn't a bulge, it was a bubble. And I said, okay, 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 here's what I said. And then, by the way, then I went and turned sideways and went, oh, another bubble. Huh. <laughs> Just tell you the truth. And so, and so I said, I said, enough is enough. Now, Friday, I looked in that mirror, and I didn't see the Taylor Saggy Chinny thing. Why? It was there. I justified it. I said, no, it's not, it's not, it's not that saggy baggy. <laughs> You know, I turn aside and go, that's fine, man, we're all good. You know, but Saturday I was finally honest and say, hey, it's about, it's time to do something. That's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to do an honest appraisal of where you are, not with your weight or your saggy baggy chin, but spiritually. Where are you at? Do you, do you look in the mirror and do you see now this, this bitter envy, this, 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 uh, this selfish ambition Cooking in you, maybe it's time to do something. What's the deal, Dwayne? What I'm telling you today can change your marriage, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. It can change your relationships at work. It, it can change your relationship with neighbors. It Can change your church. That's how big it is. Because here, here, as, as James goes on, here's what he says, verse 15. Such wisdom that has such wisdom that has bitter envy and selfish ambition. And by the way, do you notice in something? In the NIV, and I'm not sure of the translation. But I think it is. It's in quotes. You, you know why it's in quotes? It's not wisdom at all. You know what it is? It's arrogance. It's arrogance. I can't be wrong. I I I listen. I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. I've got this degree or that degree. I've got this title or that title. I can't be wrong. It's arrogance. He says, such wisdom or such arrogance does not come down from heaven. In other words, as a Christ follower, this kind of thinking pattern, this junk in your heart, this kind of wisdom is not from God. I don't care how you spin it. It's earthly. It's earthly. It's earthly. I, I, I use the illustration, you know, uh, of this: that you know, you could take a pig, and people do this, and they scrub the pig down, and they put clothes on him, they put a little collar on, him, they put a bow on the hair. I, you can do whatever you want to to a pig, and guess what? It's still a pig. It's still a pig. And no matter how you dress up that bitter envy, no matter how you dress up those things, it's still earthly it's not from heaven no matter your motivation no matter why you are listen you may think i I want to be the leader in my family dude ma'am <laughs> that's not how you become a leader it's not so so he says it's it's not it's not from heaven it's earthly it's unspiritual 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 means this that the source of it And the propagation of it is not from heaven, it's not spiritual, it's physical. Again, I mentioned the water cooler. Do you realize how many decisions you've made, have been made, because somebody said, well, this is what you ought to do. The water cooler, the coffee pot, the lunch table. Kids, you know, kids at school, you're sitting down having lunch, and students, somebody says, well, you ought to go to that party. I don't care if your mom and dad says no, you're a human being. You've got rights. And they'll give you this... This bad advice? Can I have a witness? Ain't, ain't, y'all, ain't y'all got any bad advice before? Be careful. That, that's, that's unspiritual no matter how it is. Uh, it, could be, it could come from culture. Oh, we've got to be careful of this. Since our culture is evolving so rapidly. They're talking about how fast global warming is changing our environment. That's nothing compared to culture uh, changing the spiritual environment of our country. Our culture... I heard... Dave and I went to hear Danny Aiken. And you're not going to like what I'm fixing to say. And I'm not saying we should sit on our hands. But Danny Aiken, who's the president of Southeastern Theological Seminary, one of our seminaries, said this. We have lost the battle for traditional marriage in America. You might as well get over it. He's not saying sit on his hands. He's not saying don't do anything. But we have sat by why culture has stolen traditional marriage. And we're now left... Doing damage control. Where was the church? Come on now. Where was the church? Let me tell you where we were. Standing behind pulpits, pulpit, screaming about it. Instead of getting out there and winning people to Jesus Christ and changing the culture one by one by God's amazing grace. That's where we were. Because it's easier to sit in church and complain about it than get out there and win people to Jesus Christ. And slowly America and our culture has changed us. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. These are big words. You know, last week James talked about the, the tongue being being set on fire by hell. Here he says this this un this ungodly wisdom, which is really arrogance. It's really it's really straight from Satan. Now let me tell you what Satan. Satan doesn't care where you get your wisdom as long as it's not from God. He don't care he doesn't care where you get your wisdom, if you get it from Dr. Phil, if you get it from Oprah, you get it from your friends, you get it from your mama, your daddy, Where He doesn't care as long as it's not godly wisdom that comes from God. He's demonic. This wisdom is demonic. He goes on and says this. For where you have wisdom. Envy, bitter envy, where you have a, an unbridled zeal with, with my way or the highway, where you have selfish ambition that it's what I want done and I'll do whatever it takes to get it done, there you have and find disorder and every evil practice. Disorder. Does that describe your marriage? Describe your family? Now think about this. Think about this. Families are disintegrating at a huge rate. Could it be that Christ followers are using this earthly wisdom instead of God-given wisdom? My way or the highway. Uh, you know, whatever it takes to get it done. Is it possible? Is it possible that's why our government is the way it is? They're, they're driven by this the earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. And constantly, and consequently, we see America in a state of disruption, chaos, and discord. Can I have an amen? I really believe so. I really think it's possible. No, no. It's true. It's true. When government starts thinking outside the box of God, disorder is going to land. It's going to happen. You know, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. Paul wrote in a letter to the Corinthians. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And if there's chaos in your marriage, if there's chaos in your parenting, if there's chaos in your, as a leader on the job, if there's chaos, whatever sphere of influence you have, it just might be possible that you've got this, this uh, wisdom going on that's, that's based on this, this envy, this bitter envy, and, and this strife going on. Instead of being heavenly and from heaven. I'm telling you, this can change your life. This can change the kind of leader you are. It can change the kind of my mother you are, father you are, the kind of student that you are. It can radically change your life life See where we are in a culture today is this You know Judges chapter 21 verse 25 says there was no king in Israel in those days and every person did what was right in their own eyes What kind of marriage are you going to have if you do what is right in your own eyes What kind of government are you going to have when you do what is right In your own eyes. Can I tell you? What kind of company are you going to have? When you do what is right in your own eyes. Can I tell you? Chaos. Chaos. Confusion. So, so Dwayne, what's the answer? Well, there is. Now, please understand, I'm talking at this moment to Christ followers. Okay? Here's the answer. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is... First of all, pure. It's undivided. It's single-focused. Um, it, is, it is peace-loving. Now, this is cool. We don't believe, listen, we don't believe in peace at any price. That's crazy. Again, there is a cultural war going on. And I believe the way to win that war is by winning people Jesus Christ. But to say, oh, well, we don't want to make waves in our community. We don't want the people to think that we're fanatics for Jesus or anything. So we'll just sit by. That's not what I'm saying. But peace-loving should be the default mode in a believer's life. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. We We should seek to win our neighbors, build a relationship with them, and win their trust to have a hearing to tell them about Jesus Christ. We should should have that kind of relationship with our, you know, our state senators. Boy, they need prayer. Our governor, yeah. And you go right up the ladder all the way to the White House, President Obama. You know, we need to pray for them. And you probably have a relationship with President Obama. But the Bible says, pray for him that God, who has his ear, may give him the wisdom that he needs. Amen? Really radical. Really, we can sit by, or we can have this wisdom that comes from above. He says, we're pure, uh, then peace-loving, considerate. You know what it means to? Defer. What kind of marriage would it be? What kind of marriage would it be if you looked at your wife and said, you first? No, really, no, really. What do you want? What kind of marriage would it be, wife, if you said to your husband, no, 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 really, you first? What, what would you want out of this? What would you like to see? What what kind of relationship would you have with your student or or your child when you consider them as a creation of God and love them that way? Just be considerate. There are hills to die for, but but what if you were considerate with your children? How how radical would that be? How about about submissive? You know what's really cool? you all remember what famous scripture has the submissive turn in it? Ephesians chapter 5 Wives submit to your husbands That's not this word In fact this word for submissive is The only time it's used in the New Testament Is right here You know what it says Easy to talk to Open to reason How would your relationships be different If you're easy to talk to Now come on Sometimes you're not Ask your wife Ask your husband Come on now talk to me Talk to me, easy, open to reason, again, saying, well, you know what? That might work. That, that might work. You know, me and Judy have these incredible conversations in the morning, you know, about, about, about God and church and ministry. Because she really is my, my right-hand person, um, you know, in ministry. You know, God, God really, she, she, God just sent her my way because he knew where I was going and knew I needed her. And so we have all these great conversations. But, you know, I have to fight when I have an idea, and she goes, and by the way, I have some great ideas. And she goes, but Dwayne, what about this? I'm going to go, what, what, woman, what, what do you mean, what about this? The, the prophet has spoken. The the who's been doing this for 30 years has been, listen, he's spoken. What do you mean, what about this? I've got to fight that. Because you know what I found out? I, I'm just certain that y'all keep me around because y'all like her. I'm sure of it. You got the better half. So, so learn that, you know, be open to reason. Come on, come on. Someone say amen. Be open to reason. I mean, that doesn't mean that, that always you're gonna to have to change your mind. It just simply means I'm willing to learn. I've got my mind open to maybe learning something. So, so it's, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's merciful. Full of mercy, the way James said it. Full of mercy. Mercy is compassion leading to action. Compassion leading to action. When you have this heavenly wisdom, you have a heart for others. Um, uh, moving on. Um, good fruit, Galatians chapter 5. Um, impartial, without prejudice. Um, sincere, literally meaning unhypocritical. Un, it's genuine, it's real. Unhypocritical. And James says that's the kind of wisdom that we need, and that's the kind of wisdom that will cause you to go, okay, I need to be open. And when you have that humility, that factor, okay, then you're open to getting even wiser. Wisdom plus humility equals greater wisdom. It's incredible and it's powerful. And James says, this thing they call wisdom, this arrogance, this bitter envy, this, this stuff that grows out of our hearts. No. I don't know. You know, that's okay for the world. But Christians do different business. We, we do it differently. We do it differently because Christ has a different... Did, did Christ follow this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at that wisdom from heaven. Um, was Jesus pure-minded? Yep. Was Jesus peace-loving? Yes. Was Jesus considerate? Yes. Was Jesus submissive? Easy to talk to? Yes. Was Jesus merciful? Absolutely. Was Jesus lifeful of good fruit? Mm-hmm, that would be right. Was Jesus impartial? Yep. In fact, yes, definitely. Okay. Was Jesus sincere? Absolutely. It's Christ-like. It's Christ-like. All right, so, so what do we do with this? Okay. I was listening to to Pastor Andy Stanley speak on this. And he had three things that I thought were really, really good. Could not improve upon them. Could not word them differently. And I want to get them for you. Here's, if you're going to embrace heavenly wisdom, here's three things. Are you ready? One, admit it. Admit it. Admit that you don't know it all. Admit that just perhaps there's something you might have to learn. Just admit that your position may be the wrong position. Just admit it. And then once you admit it, you consider it. Consider it. You think about it. Down south we say, you chew on it. And you may come across and go, no, I still don't agree. But consider it. Give it weight for a moment. And then, as you chew on it and consider it, if, if it lines up with Scripture and God says, mm-hmm, yeah, then you embrace it. You take action. You take action. You admit it. You consider it. If, then if it's right, you embrace it. This will change your life. Now, I've got to think, and i I can say this, that the older we are, the more difficult this is. We have a real tendency of getting stuck in our ways. We really do. Some of you, for instance, prefer the King James translation. And for one good reason you use it, I've used it all my life. I remember saying I remember the time these words came out of my mouth. I have to use the King James because it's ingrained in my brain. I think King James. And still do sometimes. If you ask me to quote the 23rd Psalm, it's going to come out King James. It's in my brain. But slowly, I have embraced other translations. Why? Because sometimes... Another translation might say it better, okay, than the King James might. That was a change for me. There's a change when I used to wear a coat when I preached, and now I don't. Why? Well, why'd you do that, Dwayne? outgrew him. No, 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 that's not the reason why. But the reason why is because I really try to, I want the person who walks off the street to, to feel comfortable the way I'm dressed. So this is a compromise. It's a compromise. You know, it's hopefully for those of you who feel like we need to, to dress well, the preacher needs to look like a preacher. I hope this does that. But I hope the guy walking the street goes, well, at least, hey, it's cool. You don't wear a coat. That's cool. That's, that's why. So, so it's a learning process for all of us. Well, Dwayne, okay, okay, I got it. Okay, admit it. You know, yeah, consider it. Embrace it. Got it. Got it. Got it. If if if, if I got this my way, the highway mentality, that's probably not wisdom, it's arrogance. I got that. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Okay. And if I got the selfish, ambitious thing going on, that that you know, I'll do I'll do whatever it takes to get my way, even if it's unethical, yeah, yeah, I got that, I okay, can understand that. Yeah, I got all this. But where does it start? Well here here's something we're learning at Dorisville. I I couldn't save myself. <laughs> There's not a giant scale where I could get enough good stuff, you know, like going to church and stuff, and, and I couldn't do it. There's no, I had nothing to bring to the table, to God's table, to earn salvation. It had to be all God's grace. And everybody says, yeah, it's cool. But the Christian life is the same way. Now now I can walk up to a door and say, okay, sin is not my master, and, and choose not to walk that door, but I can't live the Christian life. The only hope I have is that that same Jesus who died for me lives it through me so let's go back to a wonderful verse we used last sunday night and we preached it just a couple of weeks ago uh, james chapter 1 verse 5 if any of you lack wisdom what does he do ask god Ask god that's where it starts so my invitation is twofold first off this if you're here today and you're going wow that's really not a well i expected for mother's day you know, you never can tell at door spill but it actually ties in pretty good But you know, but but suppose you're here today and you're going, okay, you know what? I do look around me. I look at my life. And whatever I'm doing is not working. Maybe the God factor is something I really need to consider. I have Brother Brent standing down front here in just a moment and we won't sell to you how how great the Baptist church is. We won't sell you doorstill Baptist church. But we will take the Word of God and it clearly states how you can have a relationship with God the Father. And it all involves what happened on the Roman cross Two thousand years ago when Jesus died for our sins. For our sins. So so that's my first invitation. And I know it's weird and I'll have everybody bow their heads for you. And it's not like it's magic, it saves you if you come forward, not at all. Brent's just got some answers. Answers you probably really need to hear today. And we have some other folks that'll help him if more than one or two or three of you come forward. So so my invitation first off is this. My decision for you to, and the invitation decision today is Would you like to come? It it's like know about following, more about following Jesus. Second is this. If you're here today, would you be willing to admit, okay, 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 got it. Two kinds of wisdom. Earthly, heavenly. This is earthly. This is heavenly. I'm honest enough. I, I, see, I see the saggy, baggy chin. Okay? And I got a stinking suspicion that there's a whole lot more of this earthly going on in my life than there is. I know how to treat my wife. I know how to treat people. And there's probably more this than this. And I want this in my life. I like that peaceful, peacemaker, considerate stuff. Boy, my wife would love me a lot more. My husband loved me a lot more. My kids would love me a lot more if that was going on. Okay, okay, okay. As a Christ follower, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. Say, hey God, I don't have it going on. I am I'm messing this up royally. I need your help. In fact, I need for you to do it. And what's going to happen is, if you truly pray that prayer and you mean it, then what's going to happen is, you're all of a sudden going to crack open the Bible and a verse is like a boom, off the page and you're going to go, wow, I understand it. I get it. You know, you're, you're going to read the story about Jesus washing feet go, holy moly, I understand that now. That's how Jesus wants me to be. And there's going to be this incredible desire To follow that example. That's what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, when your wife does something and you respond one way, you're going to respond another. Or when your husband responds a certain way, your your wife's going to respond a different way. You'll find yourself changing in your parenting. You'll go to to work and be a different boss. Because of Christ working and bringing his wisdom into your life. Can I pray for you today? Let's pray. Hey, thanks God a whole lot today. Thank you, Father. A whole lot today. Father, there's some friends of mine. I know in this huge crowd you sent our way today, some of the folks here today desperately need to come into relationship with you through your son Jesus Christ. And I pray for them right now. Help them to look around their life and see what's going on and go, this isn't working, and say, I need something different. And that something different, Jesus, is you. It's not religion, it's not a church. It's not starting new habits. It's you. I pray today for them. And for my friends here today that we walk together in this Christian journey called life. We've trusted Christ, but we also understand we need your help and wisdom. Because, Father, we see some of this earthly wisdom. And we understand today it's not a very pretty thing. And we really need heavenly wisdom. And you've promised that if we ask, you'll give us. So I pray you'll give it to us today. I want to thank you for every person who came today, Jesus. Have your way in our lives right now. And I pray in your name. Amen.